This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. It is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin and Robbie Lane sitting in for Frank Proctor, who's off today. He's getting so much time off, I don't, Charlie. Yeah, it's, he's picking it with the weather. I think he saw yeah. the sunny day coming and said, I need to take today. Well, we'll send our best out to Charlie. Uh, no, I'm here, Charlie. thanks. You're yeah, here. But thank you. Thank you for saying <laughs> I was up late. <laughs> I know you were. <laughs> Frank Proctor and to Diane. We'll just say hello to them. All so right. this is a great show. I love sitting in with you. You're so much fun. Well, I'm th- I really thank you for uh, getting up. <laughs> getting about two hours sleep and rolling in to come in and, and be part of it because it's always fun to have somebody alongside. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it makes so, it more fun. Yeah, yeah, so maybe I'll throw out the phone numbers oh, and then you've got a couple of announcements. I do. I always do. We've got a couple of callers on hold, but we'd like to hear from you. If you haven't picked up the phone yet, the uh, phone numbers are 416-360-0740 or toll-free anywhere in Ontario, one 866 740 Four seven forty, and a beautiful Saturday day this is. Uh, it's going to be beautiful all weekend, and even I think into next week. Yep, looks and like it. We were due for this weather. Yes, we were. Now I will point out that we got, I think, pretty um, off, pretty easy in a sense. We didn't have to haul our sprinklers out a lot for the last two months. Yeah, we had very consistent rainfall. Uh, however. Remember, if you've got vegetables growing or, you know, newly planted anything growing or containers of anything, don't forget to water because it's been dry. It's been hot. It was a little windy even. And that's nothing dries out the plants faster. And of course, you won't get any, any tomatoes or anything if you don't keep, keep the moisture consistent. Did you really? Yes, I did. What did you water? Uh, All our flower, like our potted flowers, because uh, I knew it was going to be dry the next few days. That's right. And you're probably here all day, aren't you? I am. Mm. And tomorrow, probably. Maybe. I don't know. Well, welcome, Robbie. It's nice to see you. Thank you. All right. So today, the trial gardens are open at Landscape Ontario. Now, I have told you a little bit about this in the past. The opening, sorry, the the actual event starts from 10, runs until 3. Landscape Ontario and the University of Guelph and Ontario Parks Association are hosting the annual trial gardens open house. As I said, it's all day today. Now, where is Landscape Ontario? It's in Milton. It's on 5th Line South, so 7856 5th Line South, which is between Trafalgar and James Snow Parkway, just off Steeles Avenue, so just south of Steeles. There's over 800 rose bushes representing quite a number of different cultivars. There's, that demonstrates the mass planting application of roses in the landscape. There's over 300 different bedding plants, annuals and perennials. And there's also a trial to evaluate vegetables for small urban spaces. One of the fun things I think about going 
to a trial is everybody who goes is given a little a flag on a it's like a little plastic flag on a metal stake uh-huh. and you as a keen person who studies and looks and and gets a sense of the different plants and of course in this case you know hundreds of plants yeah pick your favorite put your flag in and That's it counts. A great idea. It counts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's tracked, right? They always track because part of you know, the trial is a test. And so yeah. part of what they're testing for is people's responses. And of course, who's going to go look at a trial garden other than likely a hobby gardener and their response is important. Yeah, absolutely. That's a they're good the idea. People that are hopefully going to plant them in the future. Yeah. Uh, okay, remember Thursdays if you're looking for something to do and you would probably love this, Robbie. You should take Marilyn to this next Thursday. Okay. Toronto Botanical Gardens, 777 Lawrence Avenue East. I know exactly where it is. There you go. Every Thursday, they have an organic farmer's market. Starts, I think, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And it's quite good. There's all baked goods and honey and um, tons, obviously, of vegetables and fruits. Then they have live music in the gardens. And they have the cafe is open, so you can get yourself a little something to eat and sit and listen to the music, shop for your, you know, organic eggs for tomorrow's yeah. breakfast, and uh, and tour the gardens as well. Marilyn would want to know, is there wine? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I would say no. There is. I don't believe, no. Outside, I don't think, oh, that's a good, I would want to know that too yeah. now that you mention it. Generally, is there wine? I don't think that it is uh, serving wine, though I could be wrong. There could be beer in the cafe. Well, we'll check. I will. I'm going to have to report back on that. All right. All right, I'm writing that down. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and anything else I've got here can wait, but of course, we're happy to hear from you. Questions, comments, tips, suggestions. And yep. I always have some email we can go to if we have a minute. And remind me later to tell you about my extending hose. Oh, I would love to. Oh, you have one of those. I do. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this... Get that look off your face. <laughs> I know. I, I can see where this is going. But nevertheless, <laughs> do I want to hear more. <laughs> okay. Well, we can take a caller. And Jack is calling in from... Oh, we're taking a little break, are we? Yeah, I think we're supposed to take okay. a break. Okay, Sorry. No I didn't problem. catch the. Uh, well, no, uh, James is, James's arms. James are is just smiling. Today. You know, he's like easygoing. He is. All right, so we'll take a little break and we'll come back and uh, take our first caller right after we do this. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Yes, and Charlie is here, and Robbie Lane is here for this Saturday morning, and we have Jack calling in from Welland, and apparently he has a problem, or maybe not a problem, but he wants to talk about his Rose of Sharon. Jack, good morning. Good morning. Morning. Here's Charlie. Good morning. Good morning to both of you. Thank you. Um, my question is, I have a, a Rose of Sharon at the bush, mm-hmm. and I would like to thin it out mm. with the roots. When can I do that? Sorry, you want to thin it out? Including the roots? With the roots, yes. Because why? It's just the whole thing's too big, too overgrown? It's overgrown, uh-huh. and my neighbor would like to have some. Oh, all right. Um, do you have... Okay, some rows of Sharon are so prolific that they'll actually drop seeds and little babies start to grow at the bottom. Do you think you've got that going on, little tiny plants coming up at the base? I'm not sure, because it's so thick right at the moment, Dave. Eh? Okay. The flowers are... Still there. Yeah, of course. Well, 
traditionally, Rose of Sharon is a shrub, and sh- woody shrubs are not something that we treat the way we treat perennials. You can't just sort of go in there with a sharp shovel and take a chunk off of the plant, bit of stem, bit of root, and hand it to the neighbor the way we can with our perennials, like our daylilies, for example. We can just go in there and take a chunk or hosta and pass it to the neighbors. But Rose of Sharon is a, is a shrub that if we wanted to propagate it for, you know, to give some to our neighbors, we would do that with cuttings. Yeah, so you could do that actually now. It would be worth a try. Uh, You take about six-inch tip cuttings from whatever number of branches you want to cut back. Remove the flowers or the flower buds if they're there. So it's just leaves, green stem, green leaves. Remove the lower leaves so that you've got the node where the leaves come from exposed. And it's that node where the roots will come from. So it's a matter of burying that cut stem into a moist uh, sand or perlite in a little, you know, tray or flat and uh, giving it, it could take as long as four to even 12 weeks for roots to grow. So it can be a long process, but nevertheless, that's the best way to propagate the Rose of Sharon. In terms of doing a big trimming on it, though, and really like hacking it back, because there's no question, these when these plants are happy, they grow. Yeah. And, you know, and this year with all the rain, of course, we're, we're probably seeing an average of eight to 10 inches or more of growth on every stem and branch on every Rose of Sharon. So that's a, you know, a four-foot plant is suddenly a five-foot plant yes. all the way around. Yeah. So the trick is... Um, do all your hard radical pruning next spring when you can see what's going on. Uh, what I do is I like to wait till the spring has progressed enough that uh, the little green buds are just starting to show on the stems of the Rose of Sharon. They are the last plant out there to actually emerge from dormancy and we often think they're dead in the spring because everything else is full of leaves and flowers and the Rose of Sharon is still sitting there but you feel it closely you'll see little tiny green buds and it's at that point that you can do your, your real hacking back it might be might be late March it might be April it could even be early May depending on the weather where you are probably be February you're down in the banana belt there <laughs> yeah. in Welland <laughs> <laughs> okay, does okay. that make sense to you, right. Jack? Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling. Thanks for calling. Thanks. And in case you're out there and wanting to pick up the phone, maybe I'll throw the phone numbers out one more time. 416-360-0740 or toll-free anywhere in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. And I like the sound of this. Dorothy is calling from uh, Toronto, and she says something about a succulent plant. Now, I just... On a Saturday morning, that makes You're me excited. Trying to figure out what that could be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Good, Good morning, morning Dorothy. Dorothy. Good morning. Um, Charlie, I called you back oh, two or three months ago about my cyclamen plant and how oh, to your get it to bloom. Cyclamen. <laughs> oh, okay. And I got uh, 16 James. blooms out of it, mm-hmm. and now they're, they're dead. Okay. The leaves are still green, Excellent. but how do I get it to rebloom again? All right, so remember what we said, a flowering plant and a cyclamen being one that grows from a corm will not be active and growing 12 months out of the year. It does need a downtime, and it does need cool temperatures. Now, remember how a cyclamen works. It's typically in full bloom in January and February and March because they do love all that coolness they get in November and December when we cool them down. And that's what I would do if I were you. I wouldn't try and push it into more flowering at this point. Keep it, as we said, moist because you're going to water from the, the saucer at the bottom. 
Uh, but you are going to allow it to to uh, slow down a bit. It needs a bit of a slowdown for the fall, and then it will perk right back up if you can well, make sure. Well, is this going to – will I put it in a cellar? Do you have a cool cellar? Is your cellar cool? No, not really cool. I know. Mine's not either. It's a problem. It's not in the sun either. Cellars nowadays, they're all completely – excuse me, carpeted and insulated and there's no coolness to them at all. So you don't have any kind of a root cell or anything? Um, no, I could put it in the garage. You could, actually. And you're in Toronto and it's, it, as long as, your, does your um, garage get a lot of sun on it? Like, does it get warm? No, it's part of the house. Okay, perfect. You know, the garage is underneath the front bedroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that might be the right thing to do, actually. So uh, here's here's the secrets of success of Cyclamen. Uh, you do, like I said, want to keep it between 50 and 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, it might be a bit hard right now because, of course, it's going to be 25 today. But yeah. nevertheless... <coughs> Uh, you are doing the right thing, keeping it moist and obviously watering from the base. Mm-hmm. Um, after it flowers, you're going to reduce watering and stop feeding. Place the pot on its side in a cool spot and keep it dry until midsummer. Well, of course, you didn't do that, but you can still do that now. Then repot using fresh compost, burying the tuber to half its depth. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Stay in the pot in a cool, well-lit spot, water to keep the compost moist. Bottom line is put it in the garage, get it, keep it dark, slow down on your watering, and uh, let it be for, you know, you can water it to, to keep it alive, but don't, um, don't make it wet and have it sit there soaking wet for the next You'll few weeks. You'll water it from the, from the basement. Always from the saucer, yep. Yeah. And, uh, and then once it starts to get too cold out in your garage, bring it in the house. You don't want it to freeze. But do you put it near a sunny window? Yes, it likes a bright spot. So it doesn't have to be right in the window, but it needs to be bright. Yeah. Okay. And when do you think it will bloom again? Oh, you know what? If you can put it out in the garage and leave it there till middle of October, late October, you should have it blooming for Christmas. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Dorothy. Thanks, Dorothy. Mm, I see that. Laughing. Sorry, but I have a little tickle in my throat. That's all right. Uh, Leslie is calling from Mississauga, and um, she has an iris patch growing sideways. Are you on the line? (laughs) Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Charlie and Robbie. How are you? We're We're, good. We're great. Good. I have this huge patch of the the biggest, most beautiful mauve irises, Mm -hmm. and it it must have been there about 20 years. Mm -hmm. This year I had, you know, quite quite a few um, flowers. But last year, I had so many, it, you couldn't even count them. Nice. But the bulbs are almost growing sideways, and I'd like to move some to different locations or at least get them to mm-hmm. grow upright. So what should I do? Well, when, So when you say growing sideways, is that because they're so jammed in that they've ended up kind of pushing themselves up out of the soil? Yes, I think so. Okay. And on their side. Cool. You know what? The, irises are great. Like. It's amazing that you're getting the number of flowers you're getting, though. I find when irises get really crowded and, you know, what we would say pot-bound if they yeah. were in a pot. But, yeah. of course, you know, just so, you know, mushed in there. They, you get lots and lots of leaves but not a lot of flowers. So it is amazing you've had as many flowers as you've had. It is definitely time, and this is the time, for you to thin your iris patch. How? Okay, so properly... 
Or just lie down <clears throat> sideways, and then they look perfect. I know. But I don't know if she'll have as many flowers next year. This won't keep up. This, at some point, your number of flowers is going to dwindle. Even yeah. It sounds like from last year to this year, there were fewer. Next year, there'll be fewer again. Right. So what, properly what you would do is you'd go in there with a digging fork, and you would lift all the irises up. So you'd have this big mass of irises. You'd pull them all up out of the ground. Then, as you wish, Leslie, you can replant some of them in other sunny locations in your garden or give them to neighbors. I mean, on my street, everybody has the exact same iris because it's been shared amongst everybody. Yeah. Uh, and um, so you can do that. It's certainly share them around sunny, well-drained locations. But you're going to replant some of the irises back into the bed. First, I would amend that soil, like get a nice little compost in there or some manure in there. And then the irises you're going to replant are... The ones that have firm tubers, because remember, if there's any mushiness to the tubers or any holes in them, uh, any rot, any bad smell, that's garbage. But okay. if it's a firm, healthy tuber, and that tuber is that wrinkly root that sits really on the surface of the soil, and then the little sword-like green leaves stick up the top of that, out of the top, you'll replant those, those rhizomes back into the soil, just literally on the surface, not down deep. You still want to see the, the top of the rhizome. The little green leaves will still be sticking out the top to solidify and, and make the whole thing sort of firm and not topsy-turvy and, you know, top-heavy. People will typically trim the leaves about halfway down. Okay. Okay. Water thoroughly and walk away. Oh, but, okay. but when you do that replanting, don't put them all back in. Like, shrink the number you put back into that area by at least a half. Okay. It's just going to give you a lot to work with to, to either, you know, give away or move around into your garden. And so I literally cut the leaves back to uh, half of what they are now? Well, are these tall irises? How tall are the leaves right now? Oh, very tall. I'd say maybe two and a half feet. Yeah. So, so you can definitely go down to a foot tall. Yep. Nice, sharp pruners, dry day. Trim them. Don't trim them flat, meaning not parallel to the ground. Slight angle so that any rainwater or dew will roll off the, this cut ed- edge that you're going to have on those iris leaves. Okay, and the bulbs will be easy to separate once I lift the whole patch out, will they? Uh, some of them will, tr- will drop apart. If they don't, just make sure you've got a nice sharp knife on hand or sharp pair of pruners. You can always cut things apart. Oh, okay. well, thank you so much. You're welcome. It's perfect timing. It's exactly a good job in August on a beautiful weekend like this. Yeah, great day for to do it. Thank you very, very much. Okay, Leslie, good Thanks, luck with Leslie. that. Uh, we, we're going to take a little break, but when we come back, uh, James Dooley, our associate producer, is going to find a Tommy Rose song called Sweet Pea to introduce the next segment. And we'll take <laughs> Margaret's call, but we've got to do this first. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Yeah, we tie it all together here in the Garden I'm Show. I'm telling you, Robbie, that was great. This is production. <laughs> and James is all over it. Thank you, James. <laughs> Margaret is calling in from Toronto about her sweet peas. So, Margaret, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. And uh, This is Robbie. Robbie. Yeah. You just uh, call me Hey You. <laughs> no. Mr. Music. Okay. Um, I'm calling about the sweet pea. This is the first time I've bought it. Mm-hmm. And I haven't got any blooms on it. And 
Is it a perennial? Well, there's two kinds of sweet pea. There's <clears throat> annual sweet pea and perennial sweet pea. When you bought it, it was a plant, it sounds like, or it was from seed? Uh, a plant. Okay. And, hmm, okay, How could, what kind of a pot was it in? Or was it in like a, a bigger what? pot or a little cell pack? Uh, uh, about a, a half a foot. Oh, yeah. Pot pot. Okay. Yeah. And it has no flowers. Are the leaves dark green? They're green. Okay. Would you call it like a medium green or a... Me- medium. Medium green. And have you... This is a vining plant. A vine. It's it's about just over two feet now. Okay. And you've got it in a sunny location. Yes. <clears throat> All right. Now, it sounds to me like you probably have the perennial sweet pea that you've planted. Okay. And as long as it's getting a minimum of six hours of sun... And it sounds like it's growing well. About Uh two feet tall is perfect. I would not be at all concerned about the lack of flowers. The reason why is because this is the first year you've planted it, right? Oh, I see. And sometimes people get frustrated when they don't see, you know, the catalog variety of their plant within a month of planting it. Right. And it's, it's, remember, <clears throat> when we first plant a plant, it has to put all its energy into growing roots. Okay. Yeah, it's a right. It's a long-term plant. You want it there for the next 10 or 20 years. It's got to get established. So it, plants can only put so much energy into so many things. Uh-huh. So the fact that it is putting its energy into root growth and stems and leaves means it's getting established. Uh-huh. It's not putting a lot of energy into flowers is not a problem. Next year, you should have tons. Okay. And uh, how do I trim it, like, for come the fall? I would leave it alone in the fall and then in the spring... You have it growing on some kind of a trellis or an arbor? It's growing against my fence. Your fence, okay. So I would leave it alone and just let it have whatever sort of ornamental value that it will contribute for the winter. In the spring, you'll go out and, you know, when it's dry enough to be out walking in our gardens, you'll go out and you'll trim it down. Typically, you'll trim it right down to about two inches tall. Oh, okay. Okay, and it'll start all again from that that crown again, from from the ground. And fertilizing, I fertilized it when I first bought it. Okay. And I didn't fertilize it again. All right. So that's fine. And do not fertilize it again. My rule of thumb is when I plant a new plant into my garden, I don't fertilize it. Oh, okay. I put it into a good soil. Okay. And I might use a transplanter fertilizer or something to get the roots, you know, sort of kickstart the roots or yeah. bone meal. But I do not do any fertilizing the first year. It's all about letting that plant get, you know, hunkered down and happy at, at my house. Okay. And, okay. and fertilizer can kind of force plants to do things they aren't naturally wanting to do. Oh, okay. In the spring, though, everybody gets fertilized. You know, okay. every single plant that's been there from at least the year before or longer gets a shot of a, a, sort of a proper spring boost to get them going. I even get fertilized <laughs> exactly. in the spring. I go out in spring, you know, <laughs> feed the chickens, you know. It's all, get that fertilizer out there. Right, right. <laughs> I put sheep manure down. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Yep. Sheep manure is a wonderful soil amendment, uh, and it's a great thing to put down spring or fall. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. And thank you for your call. Thank you, Margaret. Bye. Have a great weekend. And uh, Barbara from St. Catharines has uh, an orchid that she's going to tell us about. And good morning, Barbara. Good morning, Robbie, and good morning, Charlie. Good morning. You've helped me in the past with my orchid, which is thriving beautifully. Oh, good to hear. But I've got numerous leaves Mm -hmm. and two trailers and no stems coming up. No flowers. And I am fertilizing it. Okay, so that's good. Um... Uh, this is an, a, an experimental. I have had no experience with it, except that it was full of flowers when it was 
yeah, uh, given to me. I know, because they come out of a greenhouse, and they've got perfect conditions in the greenhouse, and they're watered perfectly, and the humidity is perfect, I and think. the fertilizer's perfect, and the temperature's perfect, and the light and everything. Um, I always say I've never met an orchid that I couldn't kill. I mean, I'm... I'm uh, the same way. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I well, wish... I've got hardy leaves. I'm hopeful. <laughs> exactly. Any orchids that have ever been in our house look sad as soon as they come through the front yeah, door. They know this is it. We're at the Lane's house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a good thing. No. Well, well, plants, um, they typically look happy at my house, but they don't stay. Like, like you're saying, the flowers just don't stay there forever. So what can you do? Continue to fertilize, not any more often than every 10 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as orchids are concerned, you can pretty much do that through almost through the entire year because they can be certainly blooming at, at any time. Yes, I was following your previous instructions along that line. Yeah. So uh, remember, they, at this time of year, they don't mind the warmth. Uh, sometimes people will put orchids outside because oh, really? Really? in the shade, of course. Mm-hmm. But they love that humidity that we typically have. Right. Now, you know, we have had crazy hot humidity this summer as we typically have but mm-hmm. I've certainly seen some pretty happy orchids outside mm-hmm. for people that you know are real collectors and then they hang them on they have little wire boxes and they hang them in their trees and mm-hmm. they're out there just roots are growing like yeah, crazy yeah. and they're just loving it so 70 odd degrees is perfect in the summer 60 odd degrees in the winter mm-hmm. they do like the night temperatures to be cooler than right. the daytime but that's often normal in our homes we drop our furnaces right down mm-hmm. cool Cool nights are important for orchids. They they are from parts of the world like they naturally have evolved in parts of the world where the temperature does drop quite dramatically over the overnight. I see. During the day, bright light doesn't right. have to be right. It, we certainly would, wouldn't put them in right in a southern window unless it's an orchid that can handle that. But most of the orchids we have in our homes are Phalaenopsis or moth orchids. Mm-hmm. They just want a bright spot. Okay. Eastern window or northern window, right in the window. Yes. If it's southern or western, then a good five, ten feet away from the window okay. so that it's just a bright spot. Right. <clears throat> And, uh, of course, watering. We keep them moist. Yes. How do we know how moist to keep them? Because they're very hard to figure out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do use the kind of the weight of the pot. I right. lift up the pot and try to get a sense of when it's time to water. Uh, I'll tell you, my, my brother has great success with a moth orchid or a phalaenopsis by immersing the entire plant underwater. And this is actually what some of the real orchid people will do. They'll have like a sink full of water or a big tub of water. And then just immerse pot, leaves, everything right down under the water. Mm -hmm. All the air bubbles come out. You know, it takes a minute or so. Then you lift the plant out and then set it in the sink and let it just drain. Right. And then back into its regular... How often would you do that? He does that on on the calendar every Sunday. Wow. And, I mean, it's like wacky, but he has really good looking orchids I will say that well I've been doing it <clears throat> weekly too yeah so if, yeah, if you can do that immersion thing the nice thing is that you've you've really done a proper thorough watering yes. you've also got that humidity raised around the plants because orchids like humidity right so mist 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 with your little spritzer uh, do the immersion method with the water or you know get some water onto it every seven to ten days and and just Cross your fingers. <laughs> hope for the okay, best. hope for the best. Don't now the take trailers that are coming out over the pot. Are not roots, to worry about not them. Not to worry. Those are roots. It's completely natural. They need to do that. They need to actually get. They those are aerial roots, I and see. they actually do get some nutrient from the air, uh-huh. and and obviously moisture as well. Well, thank you very much. Okay, very helpful. <laughs> Let us know how that works out, Barbara. I will. Thanks. Bye-bye now. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for calling. Yeah, they're so. 
persnickety. Yeah, they are persnickety. And yet, orchid, and they're so pretty. And orchid people say, "Oh my gosh, they're not persnickety at all. They're simple. It's this, this, this." And I'm going, "Oh, I don't know." Yeah, well. <laughs> but yeah, I do have a few at home, and they are still alive. But I can't say that they're doing much. They're right. little, little green plants. Yeah, I have some for the sun, some for the shade. I forgot Frank's mantra, which is call early, yes, call often, and yes. one question per call. Yes. And so we need you to call. Uh, we've got a couple of people waiting, but 870, I'm sorry, 416-360-0740 or toll-free anywhere in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Which is why we should probably talk to Kevin right away. Who he's is calling in from Buffalo. From Buffalo, so he's on hold, so we yeah. should probably talk to him right away. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, oh, Kevin. Yeah, we'll find him. Wait a minute. There he is. Hey, oh, Kevin. Whoops. We lost him. Kevin's gone. Okay. He'll James. call back. What'd you do, James? No, it's not his fault. Ruth's waiting. Yeah, Ruth is calling from Whitby, and uh, we played in Whitby about six months ago at the Class Act Dinner Theater. Uh, Ruth, were you there? Hello. Hello, Good morning. Ruth. It's hard to hear you. Oh, okay. Good morning, uh, Charlie and Rob. Good morning. morning. Um, yes, my question is, we have uh, a purple robe locust tree. Okay. Uh, it was planted uh, about, I think, about three three springs ago. Mm -hmm. And the problem that we've had is um, this tree grows very rapidly. Mm -hmm. It gets very tall. Mm -hmm. That's right. And the, um, the stem or trunk um, is very uh, slender. Uh -huh. And when we had a really heavy wind last year, <clears throat> the wind um, <clears throat> whipped the, the, tr the main stem uh, back and forth and broke it. Okay. And uh, anyway, my husband patched it back together, um, bound it back up, and since then it has grown very, very well. But it keeps growing very tall, and the the bottom ha the bottom part of it, the stem part or trunk, mm -hmm. is still they're still very slender, and the main one was broken off. So he's bound them together and anchored it to the fence to keep, give it some support. But again, when we had a heavy rain and the and the clusters of flowers on the tree got heavy with the rain, mm -hmm. it broke again. Mm -hmm. Now it's still growing really tall, and it's lots of leaves and lots of new branches at the top. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest? Because we don't really want to, we want to save it if we can. Okay. Um, all right, so here's my suggestion. It's been there, like you said, for about three years. Yeah. And when it broke the first time, uh, it, was that, it had a single stem at that point. Yes. So that single stem broke right off, and since then a bunch of little shoots have come off of the base? Is that what's happened? Not from the base, oh, okay. actually Not from, from the where the break was. Oh, okay. And... Okay, I was just—I just brought it up on the um, screen here so that uh, Robbie can see what a pretty plant this is. It's a beautiful. <clears throat> now, ears. There's no question; it's a very fast-growing plant, and fast-growing plants tend to be weak plants. Right. And with all the rain we've had, that's contributed to even more liquid and weakness within the plant. So, rule number one. If we want to strengthen a plant, the last thing you want to do is tie it up to the fence. Because by tying it up to the fence, you encourage it to be a wimp. Yep. You it, encourage what? You encourage it to be wimpy because it doesn't, it's not having to be, it doesn't need to strengthen its trunk. It's being held up by the fence. Oh. It's the movement of plants in the wind that actually causes them to be stronger and stouter. 
And, and that's why when we when we first plant any kind of a tree or a plant that's going to become a tall plant, we stake it. But yeah. we never want to stake plants for more than one year. Because if we oh, stake okay. them for too long, all we end up with is a tall, skinny plant yeah. with no strength. Yeah. So it's that removing of the stakes and it's the allowing it to whip around in the wind that strengthens it. If the plant breaks off, then our job, and it's great that it survived all this, but it's a pretty tough plant, is to say, all right, let's see what survived. Let's go back to what's alive here and then get out your pruners and shape it. You're going to, if, if a whole bunch of, you know, multi stems have grown or multi branches have grown from that broken stem. Yeah. You say to yourself, okay, I want a tree, but I don't want a tree with like a hundred little little branches coming off of it. So you have to say, right, what makes sense here? And look at where what these are gonna become. These are gonna become like think of a maple tree, you know, the the limbs on a maple yeah. tree. So we, we might have, you know, four branches uh heading in the four different directions away from that main stem and everything else gets trimmed off. Not the leader, if you can avoid taking off that top single stem that's growing up, allow it to keep growing up. And again, it's trimming and pruning so that'll lighten the load. You'll have fewer branches and won't be just a big mop on top. But you'll be allowing that plant to be out in the elements. It's got to get out there in the wind and the rain. And you're right, we've had some extreme wind this year. Uh, yeah. so, so that can be an issue for a young plant. But honestly, it... There's no point in doing a lot of tying it up because you're going to be tying it up forever and ever and ever, and eventually it's going to get so big you won't be able to tie it up, and then it'll break break yeah. right off in another big wind. I found my wife Marilyn got weaker if I tied her to the fence. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> so she's much better now. She's good. <laughs> okay. So the top is the top is very full. Uh huh. Lots of lots and lots of leaves. We even had more flowers on it, which surprised us. That's great. But it's very very. Are very heavy, heavy. and very that's full. Lots that's of foliage, lots of right. You know. So that's my point: is of all that foliage, all those not just the leaves, but all those stems. Yeah, you know, if just as a round number, say there's a hundred little stems up there. I would go out today or tomorrow, nice dry weather, sharp pruners, and remove thirty percent of those all those branches. So up to thirty of those branches, <clears throat> not leaving a lot of little stubs behind. Like you got to follow those branches back to the main stem and remove them. Oh, that okay. will lighten the load up a lot. Okay, and that foliage then is too heavy for the the stem. That's right. So we need to take some of that off. That's right. And the stem will get, like if you allow it to get stronger, it will get stronger. You've just got to help that process happen by lightening that top heaviness. Okay. So we should do that. Today. Yeah. And then continue to do that as too much top, uh, it gets too much. Yeah. Well, I think if you do that kind of a radical pruning today, that'll be it for the rest of this year. Oh, okay. Next spring, yes, absolutely. You'll be keeping an eye. And, and you want to be remembering, you're, you're going to be creating the, the framework or the skeleton, the bones of this tree. Uh -huh. So your pruning is today for the long term. Okay. If you can, right? So you got to try and envision how's this tree going to look. If I take this branch off, you know, what's going to be, you know, do, you know, you want, you're looking for balance for the tree. Yeah. You're looking for branching on all sides uh, within a, and not too long. So they're drooping and, and pulling the plant over. So you might have to breathe and bring them in a bit if they get too long, but lightening up that load. Okay. All right. I hope that works because we love that tree yeah, and we really want it to do Very pretty. Well. Uh, it's a great plant to have. Well, good yeah. luck with that. It's beautiful. Thanks Thank for so calling. Much. All right. Thank All right. you. Thank have a great you. day. You, you too. too.
We've got uh, more callers waiting on the line, but we're going to take a little break and come back with Charlie Dobbin and the Garden Show before, uh, well, after this. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And that's where we're at right now. It's uh, the Garden Show, about 9.45 on a beautiful Saturday morning. And we've and had some pretty good callers this morning. We have. And Robbie, you just, it's so nice to see your smiling face here. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. It's always a pleasure working with you. I must admit, the first time I ever sat in for Frank on the Garden Show, I was really nervous because I thought, I don't know anything about gardening, <laughs> but I don't have to know. You know it all. Well, but you have a pretty nice garden, I think. Well, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think if you came to see it, you'd probably have some ideas. Yes, I imagine. <laughs> but still, it's you know, it's quite a nice size. And it you is. Obviously, planted some flowers, and you sit outside, and you we know, all, the, uh, yeah, yeah, all the time we yeah. sit outside. Well, yeah. Marilyn's tied to the fence, so well, she there, has to you be have outside. to, see, yeah, and you have to keep her company. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We have a first-time caller, uh, Wendy from Grimsby, calling in this morning, and want to say good morning to Wendy. Wendy, are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning. Good morning, morning Wendy. And this is the first time you've ever called? Yeah, well, first time I've ever gotten through. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, if you've listened over the past, you know that Frank Proctor always gives the f- the first call- first time callers their a wings with the bell. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, but I don't have a bell, but I do have an audio clip of a woman that I tried to place wings on last time I was here, and I just want to play that. <laughs> Yeah, so I think maybe you might want to pass on the wings. Right, yeah. We, we, so we won't, <laughs> won't go there with the wings at all. But okay. welcome to the show. Thanks. <laughs> um, one suggestion that I've heard people talk about hydrangeas before, mm-hmm. lady was talking about her pink ones. Mm-hmm. I use tomato plant food. Oh, yeah. And they get really pink. Oh, good idea. And huh. um, But my, my question is, I had bought a pink hydrangea, mm-hmm. and it was the solid like the big pink ball. Yeah. But then when I planted it, it turns out I have two different pink ones in there, one that sedum thing or whatever, where it just goes to seed in the middle of the flower. Oh, yeah, lace cap. Nice. Okay, lace cap. Oh, so two different little uh, plants were in that pot. Yeah. Ooh. Well, it's not so, so little. And the, seed, the lace cap has taken over. Uh, Is there any way to separate those two or, or to tell? How or, long ago did not? you plant them? Oh, it's probably five years. Right, so if you look, so when you planted, you didn't realize there was two separate plants in there? Uh, no, because the first year, or the first two years, I didn't, all I had was the big ball. Mm. And then this other one creeped up and it's kind of taken over. I mean, it looks really pretty when I give it its food, and, but mm. now it looks ugly. Oh, just because it's all, it's, well. It doesn't look like the traditional hydrangea that's a great big ball, like my blue one next to it, or my pink one. That are the, mm. the other pink part is at the back of the plant, so you hardly see it. There are some, I mean, it could be that there aren't two separate plants in there. I'm just trying to remember. It's been a long time. There was some hydrangeas. Excuse me. They had two kinds of flowers. See, yeah, the lace cap is a flat flower versus the big mop head ball flowers. I like the mop head. Yeah. So, okay, so what should you do? My guess is I probably have to take the whole thing out. Yeah. I'm hoping maybe I'd be able to separate it. You could try. I think that if you try to dip, what you have to do is you have to dig out what's in there, mm-hmm. lay the whole thing on its side, and see if there really are two plants in there. It is possible that there is only one plant, and what's happened is is that the it was, I'm just, like I said, I'm just trying to remember back, hydrangeas, I need to probably look this up, but there were some varieties of hydrangea that had both. 
mop head and lace cap flowers, as I recall. And perhaps something's going on where, like you say, the lace cap flat flowers have are now predominating and they're not your favorite. So no. if you dug the whole thing up and took a look and didn't see two separate stems, mm-hmm. then you're right. Then it's just either give it to a neighbor or compost that plant and replace with, with one of the endless summer or, or one of the varieties with the, the guaranteed ball-type flowers that give you lots of flowers every year. Yeah, I mean, it gets huge. <clears throat> it is a big plant. Mm, they do. A lot of them get really big. And particularly if you give them things like tomato food, they get twice as big. Yes. Well, I <laughs> so, did that for to keep for the color. Yeah, no, it's great. The, otherwise, the flower itself was pink, but then the center was kind of pale, creamy color. Right. So yeah. that if I gave it the plant, it was in the whole yeah. center yeah. part was nice dark, it's dark that pink. Potassium. Yeah, it's the potash in that fertilizer that gets the more vibrant colors going, and uh, yeah. so that's good. Well, that's what I would probably do. I mean, or. You know, maybe just let it be, and if you have enough room, just add another mop head in there. Well, but, that's a possibility, too. Yeah, I mean, if it's a nice plant. Or or maybe just chat up the neighbors, see if somebody else wants to come and dig it up and take it home. So, <laughs> Because, you know, it is a nice plant. It's sort of yeah. a shame to... to so, but that's what I do. When I don't want a plant, I, you know, talk it up to my neighbors <laughs> yeah. and then make them dig it out. Tell them how wonderful <laughs> it is and then let them dig it out. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Save myself the trouble of having to do the digging. And then it, it goes to a good home. Yes. Yeah, well, maybe I'll try and see if I can separate it. I'm not afraid to do that. Yeah. Yeah, if there are two plants in there, there might be, mm-hmm. uh, then what you would do is with your loppers, you would, you know, once you can see what's going on, is you would lop off the lace cap because there's no way you're going to separate those roots after all these years. You would just lop off at ground level the mm-hmm. plant you don't want, leaving what you do want. Okay. Okay. So that would be now would be the time to do that, or yeah. or like in September. Probably easier in September because you can see a little better what's going on. But either way, if you're planning on doing some transplanting or planting, now and for the next month is the time to do it. Okay. Okay. Yep. Great. Thanks, Wendy. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you for calling and have a great weekend. And mm-hmm. we've got uh, Edie calling in from Scarborough, and we've got uh, someone Rose from Hamilton is waiting to get on uh, on with Charlie. But mm-hmm. right now we're going to take a little break and come back with that and lots more. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. That, uh, that little promo just before we come back in. Did you have somebody write that for you? And if so, were they in an institution? <laughs> it's a good friend of mine, actually. Good friend. Okay. <laughs> All right. Edie is on the line from Scarborough, and she has a question about her hardy azalea. And uh, Edie, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Robbie. Um, I'm a first-time caller, but a long-time listener. Oh, welcome, Edie. Well, I don't have anything for you, Edie, except yeah, you for... Yeah, come I, up with something there. There are some wings here, so hang on a second. We'll give you this. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> good morning, Charlie. <laughs> morning, Edie. I received an azalea, my first azalea for Mother's Day. Okay. And it's grown, the plant has grown really well. When I got it, it had three or four blooms on it, mm-hmm. and it's called Northern Lights. Oh, lovely. And it's really pretty. And what I want to know is, do I have to protect it in the winter with anything? Nope. No? Nope. 
It's a great plant. It's one of my all-time favorite plants, actually. I have a number of them in my garden. Have this you? this oh. is, you're right, it's an azalea. It's actually technically a rhododendron. <clears throat> but what's different about this plant and the rhododendrons that we sort of see, particularly out in the West Coast, is that this plant is deciduous. Yeah. So it will get some nice purple fall color on those leaves. Right. The leaves will drop. And right now, if you go out and look, you should see next year's flower buds oh. forming on the tips of the branches, little green round buds. Right. So, of course, no pruning is allowed because no. those are next year's flowers. Right. So, of course, we'll water and no more fertilizer, obviously. We just no. water as necessary right through till freeze up. Uh-huh. Next spring, once the ground starts to thaw and the weather starts to warm up, those flowers will, of course, uh come out and be bright and beautiful and meanwhile brand new green leaves will be coming out and it's at that point that you will fertilize with rhododendron food rhododendron food that's right or or fertilizer for acid loving plants oh okay and depending on where you've planted it and what kind of soil it's in i every year also put at the base of my azaleas soil acidifier Soil acidifier. And soil acidifier is a sulfur-based product which helps to keep the pH low, which helps the plants to thrive. Okay. In our natural limestone-based soil, the pH tends to be quite high, and acid-loving plants can get very yellow and very pale, and that's an indication that the pH is too high and they're not happy. So I find that soil acidifier in the spring makes a difference. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that that's fine. I didn't know anything. They don't tell you too much on the yeah. card that comes with it. Yeah, no, that's fine. And yeah, no special protection required. It's a, it's a great plant. It's very hardy. And where you are in Scarborough, it should be just fine. Oh, that's good, because I was going to wrap it up in burlap. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't. No, 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 no. Don't be doing that. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Good Thanks. luck with that, Edie. Thanks very much, Thanks. Charlie. Bye-bye. Thank- Bye-bye. Thanks, Edie. And uh, Kevin is back on the line. He called us earlier from Buffalo mm. and was waiting for some time, so we should probably take his call we and uh, find out what he's all about. His spider plan. Good morning, Kevin, and thank you for calling back. Morning. 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 So what's, what's uh, happening with your spider plant, Kevin? Um, several times I've um, <clears throat> went online and read about it, and um, the, the leaves, uh, the tips of the leaves keep on turning brown, and the little babies that are hanging, um, the bottoms of those are getting brown also. And I went online, and it said to water the plant with not the regular water out of your tap, mm-hmm. if I do, to let it set. Mm-hmm. And I've done that, and the leaves just keep on turning brown. Uh, okay, so with a pair of scissors, if you you have the time, go around and trim off all those little brown tips. And uh, you were right. What you read online was avoid tap water because of the chlorine and the salts in the water. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is avoid cold water. So you want that tepid sitting out water, or even better, is to collect some rainwater and water spider plants and many of the more sensitive plants uh, with rainwater because it doesn't get any purer than that uh, and there are no salts in that water at all and it's a great way to avoid uh, the, yeah, the more of that brown the brown tips happening um, that is the, the classic the other is make sure they're in a fair amount of sun have you got the spider plants in a sunny location? Um, they're actually in my window in the kitchen yeah. it's a hanging 
Okay. Basket. Yeah, yeah. So it's like in the, let me see, that would be north. It's like in the west window. Oh, so that's good, yeah. And misting is always a nice idea, though kitchens are usually nice and moist or yeah, humid. Yeah. Between dishwashers and pots on the stove, we have higher humidity in our kitchens than in many other rooms. So that's a good thing. Uh, so that And misting can also be a good idea once the furnace comes on, just to ensure that the humidity is high enough to keep that plant from getting those brown tips, because sometimes that is connected to low humidity as well. Okay. Okay. All righty, thank you Good very much. Good luck with that. Thanks for calling. You're thank welcome. you, Kevin. Bye-bye. 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 Do we have time, do you think, to talk to Rose? Okay, only if we go really fast. Okay, got to go really fast, Rose. Uh, we only got one minute. So let's, uh, what's your question for Charlie? Uh, hi, uh, I want to know about a mandevilla plant. Mm-hmm. I got one that is, uh, it says mandevilla pink, mm-hmm. and I've got it in the yard in its original container. And it's growing beautifully on the uh, on the fence. But what I want to know is, what do I do with it? Do you want to keep it? Uh, yeah. Is it is it a perennial? Is it an annual? It's a tropical plant. It's a perennial. If we lived in Florida, but here it will die in the frost. Okay, so can I bring it in? Yes, you can. So if it's still in its original pot, that's good. Okay. Before you bring it in, uh, sometime in the next month. I would bring it up onto the deck or the patio. Uh I would trim it back by about a third. I would mix up some soap and water, not detergent and water, but soap and water, 40 parts water to one part soap. Mm -hmm. I would water the plant with the soapy water till it runs out the bottom. I would also spray that soapy water on the leaves and the stems and everything, every part of the plant, so that if there's any... Earwigs or sow bugs or spiders or little visitors in the pl- in the pot or on the plant, they will run away. And then you wash it off with clean water, let it drain, and get it into the house. Sunny location for the winter. And uh, just water as required. Of course, it's going to use a lot less water inside than it did outside. And just let it go through the winter t- to be ready to go out again next spring. Yeah, but is it going to climb all over the place? No, it's not going to grow like crazy. It's going to hunker down and get quite slow. I hate to interrupt, Gotta go. but we're out of time, okay. Rose. Thank you so much for calling. Pot? Yep. Okay. Thank right. you, Rose. Thank you very Woo. much. We're stealing time from the car show. We are. Thanks, they, everybody. They brought a herd of sheep Sorry. in here today for some reason. I don't know why. Charlie, <laughs> yes. thank you Thanks, so much. Thanks, Robbie. I'll uh, maybe see you next week. We'll you see, might. And, but I'll certainly be back to talk to everybody and uh, have a great week in the meantime. You too. Bob Shepard's up with the news, and then those crazy gar- car guys and their sheep are next. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.